Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. And Peter, 15, we're halfway to 30, we're a quarter of the way to 60. We are doing uh, everything that we can on our side to, to get uh, some hockey news out to those listeners. And uh, how's it going this week? 15, Alex Kerfoot, Player of the Week. There you go. <laughs> Just a little. Still leaf, still leaf. Still a leaf, still a yeah. leaf. Um, it's going good, man. It's going good. Um, this week was all, you know, I know I discussed about it last week, how we started getting ready for Christmas. Everything is up and running. Trees up, our little mix of, like, you know, nutcrackers, animated, like, animatronic, like, dancing dolls, and the Festivus pole is up. So we got everything set well in advance. My family is like that. There you go. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I noticed yesterday a lot of lights going up with the good weather this week, and mm-hmm. um, they were all lit up last night, so the street's looking good. Um, my wife and I and uh, our little guy, we, we did a little photo shoot with a friend of ours, a friend of the family um, at, a, at a Christmas tree farm. So um, nice. get, get a few shots for the Christmas cards to send out this year, and uh, first one with the little guy, so it's pretty exciting, and uh, yeah, it was uh, you know it's time to get into that festive spirit. Hopefully, we'll be on the road to recovery a little bit better than we are mm-hmm. right now. Um, just in terms of, of of you know each and every community around uh, around Ontario, around the world, let's say. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, looking forward to it, and uh, a, a very joyous time in in these in these rough times right now. Mm-hmm. Always something positive to look forward to around this time of year, uh, given the circumstances that we're in right now. But for you, you know, baby's first Christmas, that's always a great thing to have right now. So definitely going to be a memorable one for you and your family. And I wish you all nothing but the best and especially the little guy, you know. Yeah, I'm trying not to go too nuts with uh, spoiling him with uh, gifts. I already (laughs) talked to my wife about getting this motorized like... uh uh g-wagon for him and my, and my wife's like uh you know maybe we should wait till he's about a year old and <laughs> and uh you know wait till he can actually sit in the car and, and and control it himself but uh uh you know it's 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 one of those times where it's like i said first time and and uh just want to give him everything that he uh he can and, and and wants to have but yeah um you know Getting into hockey, it's uh, it's been a bit of a slower week for us. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know we would love to get hockey underway. We have it in certain leagues. We've been seeing a little bit of game action. Of course, overseas there's been hockey. Yep. Um, north of the border, the QMJHL seems to be the only one that's uh, really running right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, things are slowing back down with uh, the uptick in in COVID cases, but. Um, not not a whole lot of news to discuss this week, aside from a few entry-level contracts signed. Obviously, Luke Evangelista, uh, London Knight, uh, I've had the opportunity to watch here in London. Jamie Drysdale and Cole Perfetti all signed their entry-level deals. Um, any 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 real uh, you know takeaways from those those uh, deals for you, Peter? Um, I, I, I wish we would have drafted Luke Evangelista just to say that, yeah, you know, we got a, a relative of Brendan Shanahan in the fold. Um, nah, but r- r- bias aside, I mean, he was a really major like riser throughout the whole entire draft. And the fact that the natural predators just plucked them at 42 overall, that's a, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good find to have 
And, um, you know, he could only get better. I mean, he had uh, 57 po- uh, 61 points. Uh, 57 points came at even strength. So, you know, you know that the London Knights, they do their due diligence when it comes to, uh, like, scouting uh, players at the AAA level, uh, U16 level. And they found it really good when Luke Evangelista said he could only get better. So the fact that, you know, Nashville thought that they had a good prospect with them, might as well sign him right now to the deal. Yeah, I, I remember um, my wife and I were actually at the game when he, he scored his first OHL goal and he had a hat trick that game. It took him a little oh. while. Yeah, it took him a little while getting going. But uh, he's, you know, he's a guy that's uh, a little more undersized. But it seems like, like you said, the, you know, the London Knights seem to turn these guys around and, you know, obviously playing in a system where you get, you have, you know, teammates like Liam Foodie and, uh, you know, Alec Regula and, you know, all these guys, uh, Connor McMichael, all these guys that have already been mm-hmm. drafted that, you know, kind of understand what needs to get done to get you to that level. And, and he, what he, he rose the entire year. Like he was, he started as a potential fourth round pick and, and just continually kept climbing and, and yeah. to a point where, you know, early second round, mid second round, that's, that's a legitimate player in, in terms of, you know, getting an opportunity in the NHL. So I think, out of the three that signed this this uh, this week, obviously you know Perfetti and Drysdale, they're going to get a chance at the NHL level. Um, you know they they've got the talent, they've got everything that it takes to get there. Um, Evangelista, I I think you're going to see him in a in a few years as well, getting an opportunity in Nashville. So uh, you know solid little signing there for them, and and obviously coming out of the London uh, organization, he's uh, he knows what needs to get done to get to that point. Yeah, and like you said. Um... Jamie Drysdale and Cole Perfetti, like, you know what they're getting. You didn't know specifically, especially that lane of the draft, you don't know what you're getting with Luke Evangelista, although with the constant scouting, you have a general idea. But the fact that, you know, the Ducks signing Jamie Drysdale, and even uh, I believe they signed uh, Jacob Perot to an entry-level deal as well. Yeah. Um, their two first-round picks are locked up, and you know that there's a lot of promise with both of them, in particular with Jamie Drysdale on the back end. And... I'm just going to say, I'm like, just, just jump and ship to Jamie Drysdale for a quick second, man. I've followed him for the past few years since his triple uh, A days with the Toronto Marlies, since he went to Erie. And when I talked to him last year at the world junior selection camp, I mean, he's got a really good mindset. Like he was a underager going into that camp and it was a long shot for him, but during the scrimmages, like the play in scrimmages um, with the team, he played against like, the older competition very well. And even the games against you, the game against you sport that he played in, he, despite his, you know, lack of size or lack thereof, he held his own. I mean, he was going up against like university players as well. So the fact that he's able to do that, play a steady game, move the puck up very well. And we saw that with team Canada. I mean, if you watch team Canada, but didn't watch a whole lot of eerie, I know, um, I, I, I've, I've watched quite a bit of him, both at the OHL and at the junior level. He's every bit impressive as he's made out to be. So the fact that the Ducks have got him um, that early, I would have thought that maybe he would have been the first defenseman to go over Jake Sanderson. But you know what? For him to fall to the Ducks, that's a really great selection, in my opinion. Yeah, even even you know falling to the second you know second defenseman draft behind Sanderson, you know he's a uh, Oh yeah. Um, you know, just a down to earth type of guy. And you know, that's the, that's the, that's exactly what you need from these players is, you know, 
you don't, you take that and you maybe, maybe you have a small chip on your shoulder. Maybe you say, Hey, mm-hmm. you know what? I think I was the guy that was going to go, but you come out there and you, and you do what needs to get done. And, and uh, you know, that's the, that's the way you're going to be successful at the NHL level. So I think, you know, it just showed that um, obviously a great attitude, uh, good kid. And, you know, I, I, that's the one thing I missed this year was going to the combine um, and, and getting yeah. a chance to talk to these guys because, um, you know, you, you get to, you get to see them as people and, and have those conversations and, and, you know, often a lot of their true colors really come out at these at the uh, at that event, and yeah. you get a feel for what each player brings to the table. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's a great signing. I think it was a great draft pick by the uh, the, the Ducks, and uh, you know, obviously uh, they, they wanted him uh, locked up as soon as possible, and and that's what they've done. Likes to compare himself to Morgan Riley. There you go. And we've seen how, especially in the last few years, we've seen how well Morgan Riley has progressed. I mean, you still, you like see some things that can be fixed with Morgan Riley, but then again, he's had to deal a major turnaround. He was thrusted into a position where they threw him in as a rookie. And it's just like, you know what? It took a while for him to get comfortable and play that two, two way game. But Jamie said that that's the, player he wants to be he want like he's known for his puck moving abilities he said that he wants to be known as that guy who can be reliable in every single situation and it looks like he's going to get that opportunity at Canada this year I mean I'm projecting him to be a top pairing defenseman with Bowen Byram I mean <laughs> that's going to be a deadly pairing I'm just going to say it right now I'm really excited to see that pairing if it does pan out based on projections but he if you haven't seen Jamie Drysdale yet, be ready. And I, I'm going to say this right now. If there are Ducks fans listening, you're going to be really excited. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and just moving on from that, uh, you, you spoke a little bit about the World Juniors and Team Canada. And um, obviously, University of Michigan will not be releasing Owen Power to the World Junior Camp. Uh, thoughts on this, Peter? I was kind of shocked because when I mean a few weeks back when we discussed Team Canada and I sort of went through my projection of like the roster, I have Power, Owen Power, and uh, Justin Barron as sort of like you know the seventh and eighth defensemen. I was kind of shocked, but I'm also I could understand why. And here's my thing about why I think they were hesitant to let him go. Dollar Prospects, um, Tony Ferrari, um, brought up a really good point on Twitter. Uh, He mentioned that the decision to not release him could be based on the fact that it's not given that he's going to get a roster spot. And I have to agree with him. I mean, why would you let him go, miss games, attend a camp? I mean, he's still going to stay in game shape, but why would you let him go if he's only going to be a reserve player and won't see significant ice time? To me, that kind of makes sense, but I really wish he would have gone because I do think he can push somebody out. I have him listed as a seventh uh, defenseman. He could be a fifth, uh, fourth, fifth, or sixth defenseman on that team. He's that good. And if you saw the highlights of or the highlight of his first NCAA goal yesterday when Michigan routed uh, Arizona State, he could really be an impact defenseman on that team. So I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised. So I'm kind of like in the middle of things right now, but I really wish he would have gone. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm kind of on the on the same track as you. I, I think I'm surprised in the sense that, you know, give these kids the opportunity to play and be enthusiastic about playing the game for their country. Um, you know, it's a great opportunity. It's a great learning experience because I think you learn at a different level when you're playing that international game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, you, you mentioned it. He's not guaranteed a spot. And I think that's where they, they, they kind of want him to stick around and play meaningful hockey uh, while he can um, instead of going to train for, you know, a month-long um, camp with uh, with Team Canada. So um, that makes sense to me. That said, I think there's still a lot of questions about, you know, everything going on right now out there. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's it, it still frightens certain people. And I, I think it, it uh, you know, I, coming from Michigan standpoint, you know, with a player traveling outside of their, their, I guess, hockey bubble and then having to travel back in, it raises questions as well. So I think yeah. there's a whole lot that goes into it. And um, I think for them, it was just the right decision to hold hold them uh, back. And um, obviously, you know, he might be a little bit spiteful down the road. But, um, you know, I think it was a it was a, a move they had to make to kind of get to that, uh, to, to be comfortable with what they had as well in Owen Power. I mean, it certainly didn't affect him. Three-point game at his first NCAA game. Um, yeah. Really, you know, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's bothered by it because who wouldn't like to represent their country, right? It's what every kid dreams of. But I think that, you know, it's probably in the best interest for him because I'm looking at on TSN, uh, head coach Mel Pearson said that it's not an ideal situation. I would like to let Owen experience it and go there. But at the same time, I've got to look at the overall picture and what's right for Owen going forward. Overall, not just for a two-week camp that's played at Christmas time, but for his overall growth and development and academic interests. And in the article, it says that he's going to be gone for 51 days. That does put a strain on, uh, because if you do have a scholarship, it's going to put a strain on your academics. You're going to be missing a lot of time, especially at that level. So, yeah, it's it, it's it's a situation. I mean, if it was in regular circumstances, if the season started in September, yeah, they would have let Owen Power go. We've seen NCAA players uh, representing Canada before. Now it's just a different circumstances where they the training camp is starting around the same time that the NCAA did, and now it's in conflicting schedules. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's it's not ideal an ideal situation like i said before but you know what i came out with an article about the top three defensemen going in the draft and i listed Owen power as possibly one of those guys who could go one two three if you like i don't think it's like i said even before i don't think it's going to bother him he knows what he can do we saw like a glimpse of that with the chicago steel last year they dominated the competition and we're seeing it right now and he's going to put forth a really great ncaa season albeit a shortened one but we're going to see what he can do with university of michigan and it's not going to deter him whatsoever yeah i think too you have to think that you know there there is the possibility of another opportunity at world juniors uh Mm -hmm. you know down the road for him as well so I don't think they're holding him back entirely and saying like you know it's never going to happen for you. I think they're just looking at it from their perspective and, and the perspective yeah. of of him, like you said, with his academics. And uh, you know this is a, an opportunity that might come up again for him. So um, and with him being as good as he is, you know the NHL is looking to get back to the Olympics. Um, obviously, they're looking down the road for another World Cup of Hockey. 
Um, so, I mean, there's going to be opportunity for him to yeah. play internationally as well. So I think that's that's something they consider in that decision as well. But just it, it was surprising from, you know, a Canadian fan standpoint to not be able oh, to yeah. see him go. I'm just going to say this. Like, you, you just mentioned another opportunity for Owen Power. How excited are you going to be for a top three or like the top three guys for Canada next year is probably going to be Brant Clark, Carson Lambos and Owen Power. I mean, if the, everything aligns and everything goes according to plan and the schedules are good and there's a vaccine and everything is good to go for next year, man, team Canada is going to have a really solid top three defense next year. I mean, you really can't let those three guys go. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and just, uh, you know, the fact that they're all coming into the league probably around the same time is going to be incredible. Oh yeah. Like you're going to be talking about three legitimate, I want to say Norris contenders year after year after year, once they get going. I mean, they're in line to replicate. And I mentioned this in my article, they're in line to replicate this new wave of excellent, steady puck moving defensemen, Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Nero Heiskanen, Rasmus Stalin. And now you're going to have Clark Lambos power and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna shout out tony ferrari again he he absolutely loves carson lambos and there are clips online right now of him you know shifting his body shooting the puck scoring goals he's doing it all and from the clips that i've seen he is really something special and if i had a pick right now nothing against owen power i mean they could all go number one but it's like a three it's like a three-way race right now you got clark Lambos and power, especially power and Lambos right now, who have that, you know, sort of competitive edge who are playing games right now, improving their stock and showing the scouts through video what they can do. But it's it's going to be an interesting race because I think all three they're my top three right now. And it's going to be a really excellent battle between the three of them. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mentioned uh, earlier in the earlier in the show that the QMJHL is one of the few leagues underway here in North America. Um, they're talking about an extended Christmas break. Obviously, they had a, a small breakout of COVID-19 earlier in their season, had to shut it down for a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know if there's much to talk about in terms of having that extended break. That said, I think it's a good move by the league, get these players kind of to, to relax a little bit. Uh, obviously, playing inside these whatever you want to call them, you know, kind of hockey's their, hockey's their focus right now, but to get yeah. that opportunity to kind of have more of a break uh, in between, I think it's a good good move by the league, and uh, obviously they want to try and go down the right path right now as well. No, and it gives them a, time, a chance to regroup as well. I mean, more importantly, they actually they get to spend time with their families now, and again, like, yeah, this is their livelihood. They want to do whatever it takes to try and make it to the NHL, but you got to figure or feel that deep down this is weighing on them as well just like it's weighing down on me and you and everybody else out there right now who you know they're they're essentially putting their lives at risk kind of in a way you know to go through and and play like this but it's it's a great like it it is the right move i mean to have that time in between to relax regroup mentally physically everything like that so they could come back and let and i'm Knocking on wood right now. Let's say in those weeks, things do start to try and like like the cases are lowering and you're sort of on the downward curve of the second wave. Great. There's again, I mentioned before, there's use of a vaccine coming out. Great. You could try and like 
get that involved in, in the way that, you know, you can try and have everyone vaccinated so they're safe. You could possibly get fans at some point. Maybe. We don't know. But in overall, the extended break is going to go well for them. And I, you really can't say anything more about that. I mean, I wish teams would do that more often because of the situation that we're in right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, just it's an opportunity to step back, regroup, and, you know, continue to power forward, I guess. Yeah, no, 100%. And, uh, you know, talking about league news, um, something we missed last week uh, discussing, but it uh, it is something that came up the previous week was mm. the o- OJHL uh, has decided to, to restart and uh, they're going to do so with no contact, which is something we talked about with the OHL's uh, restart. Oh yeah. Um, and obviously you and I were pretty passionate in terms of uh, what uh, a, a hockey mm-hmm. league would be all about without contact. Now we have the o- OJHL, which will do that. Um, I just, I, again, I'm going to stick with what I said when it came to the OHL. I, I do think that it's it's not beneficial to these players. Obviously, these players are in the same kind of boat. They're looking to, to take that next step. And, uh, you know, I think it hurts their development. I don't think it helps them in any way uh, in terms of avoiding the the, the virus. Um, they're still out there playing hockey. They're still lining up for face-offs. Um, I, I get what they're trying to do. I understand where they're trying to go with it. Obviously, they have other other rules in place, including, um, you know, the full face shields and, and, and things like that. But I just don't I, – I still just don't understand, um, you know, the, the, the hitting, uh, especially when you're going to have – scrums along the boards uh to, for for puck battles and stuff like that i i just don't i i'm still kind of up in the air in terms of where this helps the 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 players rather than hinders their development this is why body like taking up body contact doesn't make any sense they're mandating masks to be worn at all times in the dressing rooms and common areas they're enhanced cleaning and disinfecting you know the dressing rooms, the benches, everything like that they must be disinfected kind of what we saw at the end of every single period during the NHL you have the steps to mitigate everything inside the area. And if they're taking the precautions outside, you don't have to worry about what's going on inside. If you follow the rules outside, you could do body contact. You could do everything. And I'm just going to throw back. Um, Thomas Harley on a TSN article again said that if there's no body checking, I'm not sure we should even play. I wouldn't. We've, we've been playing our whole lives with hitting. I wouldn't know how to play. I mean, that's a major part. They like you start to learn how to hit at sort of like, you know, the uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't even know when they actually start hitting. Is that the Banton Pee Wee level or something like that? I, I, think, I think it is now. Yeah, I think they, they put uh, a couple years ago, they put it in place so that, uh, you know, you're, you're not learning as early as they once were. So you're starting at that level at around in between 10 and 12 years old, right? 10 to 14. That's four years of your life that you've learned how to hit. You learn that as you get into the um, U16 level. You get to the OHL, OJHL. You've learned that so many times. And I could understand if they were, you know, players in this situation right now, they willfully want to avoid contact as much as possible and not put themselves in necessary situation. 
I get it, but you just heard Thomas Harley right now. This is something they've played with since they were, you know, at that age where, you know what, this dream could be a possibility. And you want to make adjustments, that's fine. But the fact that they're actually going sue with what the OHL is doing is absolutely dumb. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're taking something that's essential out of the game. I can understand headshots and fighting. You want to mitigate that. That's a different story. But this, like you said, this is actual like clean body contact, constant puck battles, coverage. It's the normal part of the game. What's going to happen if, let's say, I'm in playing in this situation right now. I'm in front of the net. I'm a defenseman. Oh, you know, this guy's two feet away from me. I can't hit him. So I'm just going to let him take the puck back away. There you go. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday. Get, uh, like an easy goal right in front of my goalie, right? Easy opportunity. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think, too, like, the other thing to consider is that, uh, you know, one, you mentioned the puck battles. But, two, what do you do if somebody does lay a hit? Yeah. Is it, is it all of a sudden a penalty? Do you kick them out of the game? Because I wouldn't, I think I, it would probably go as a penalty. I'm just, but now I'm confused because, you know, this year they go as a penalty. Next year you expect them to go back to hitting, assuming this is all said and done with. Mm-hmm. So now, now you've almost counteracted what you're trying to teach these kids. And then a year later you jump back to, okay, yeah, don't worry. Hitting's fine again. <clears throat> They're just a year gone. <clears throat> There's yeah, a year just, gone of hitting. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. I like, I don't think you can call a penalty on a guy that goes out and lays the body out uh, mm-hmm. on, on a defending player. Like you said, what are you going to do? Let them walk around you? Yeah. You can't play the body. So it, this is all of a sudden it's become, you know, the softest sport out there. Majority of the players have already jumped ship because, you know, I mean, because their league hasn't even started, which is fine. But when they play... And they leave because, you know, the main issue is, especially for the OHL and OJHL, if they're leaving because there's no hitting, it's going to hurt the league really bad because now you have no players to go to the team. This is something that they're very passionate about. They want to hit. They want to battle every single game. You take that out, you're going to have nothing. You're not going to be one of the more reputable leagues in the in the junior circuit or, or uh, amateur level that helps develop prospects for the pro level. They better reconsider this because they're gonna this this is gonna be the start. They're gonna lose a lot of players if they still agree to this. And there are even OJHL players that are in line for the NHL draft. What's gonna happen next year? They're gonna be way behind in terms of physicality. Yeah, they're gonna be built in terms of like the speed and skill and everything, but they're it's gonna hamper them really bad. They're not gonna be aware. They're gonna be like, oh, I played without contact this year what's going to happen i'm not going to brace myself the second time around right yeah what happens it's, when they skate over the blue line with their head down yeah yeah that, and yeah. that's where and that's what i mean this goes in line with what i said before about headshots and fighting they're probably going to like you know i can understand you want to mitigate that but this is something you can't take out you could avoid you know easing up on a hit you can avoid you know lowering your elbow down so it's in the chest and not the head you can't avoid inevitable contact and a puck battle where that's a normal part of the game. And again, I'm hoping that the OHL, they know what's on the line right now. You, I mean, they should be able to understand the fact that, okay, the NHL did it with contact. 
other junior leagues are doing it with contact, especially in Europe. I mean, they're still seeing cases as well, but they're still going through with it. QMJHL is going through with it, and they have like more cases than anybody right now that I've seen. It can be done, and I'm still furiated that they haven't really connected the dots yet. Yeah, I, I it, this it, again, it all comes. It's a trickle down effect. It all comes from the Ontario government, and I think, mm-hmm. I mean, right now they're trying to base it off of what what was recommended to them, and. Um, for me, from a league standpoint, I would much rather these players go overseas and play the game overseas the way it's supposed to be played rather than yeah. take a year away from their development and, uh, you know, play a game where it's not even hockey anymore. At this point, it's not even hockey. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I get where they're coming from. Like I said, I, I understand why they're why they're doing what they're doing, but it, it doesn't make sense from a from a hockey standpoint, it doesn't make sense from a, a league standpoint. It does make sense from a development standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in the in the end, they're going to do what they have to do. But I, I think you're going to see a lot more players looking to go either overseas or or play in in another league like the the USHL or or something along those lines as well. We're in a second wave right now that has that's just getting way out of control and you're focusing on taking hitting out of hockey. There should be more being done to implement things outside of the environment than inside the environment. And I said this last week, I said it before today, and I'll say it again right now. You follow the rules outside of the arena. You wear your mask, socially distance, sanitize your hands constantly. When you come into that rink and you get tested, because I'm pretty sure if they get tested regularly, you know you're safe. You know you could go ahead with contact. That's my, I've said it before. I'll say it again and I just said it then. That's my argument. It can be done. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, And just a a couple of quick signings in the NHL that we want to discuss. Um, Obviously, last week we missed uh, discussing Vladislav Gavrikov with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, He he re-signed a three-year contract uh, with a cap hit of $2.8 million. Um, Gavrikov kind of had a coming out party this year with uh, Columbus. And uh, personally, I like the signing. I think it's a a good signing for them. Um, Big guy on the back end. And... uh, you know, they obviously locked him up as he was an RFA for Columbus this year. I really liked him against that series against Toronto, man. I mean, you could say that, oh, yeah, Seth Jones was good. Zach Morensky was good. He was the next defenseman that stood out for me. I mean, he was very physical. He held the line very well to keep the play in. And honestly, that's a really good contract for him. Buffalo, uh, Buffalo, Columbus has got a really, really steady defender on there that can like help out in their top four situation. And I, he would be a guy that could probably alleviate some of the pressure off. He had, I mean, a respectable 18 points in 69 games. So really, really good for the, the, this time around. And I think he could only build off that. It's, I really wish that, you know, not necessarily if there was a trade involved, uh, I was looking at David Savard or even Gavrikov or even uh, um, actually it was Gavrikov that Columbus or Toronto should make 
a move because I know Marshag uh, was talking about a potential trade involved where, you know, potential trade partners and that series that he was doing that Vladislav Gavrikov, I think, would have been an intriguing target. And obviously left-handed D, I don't know if that, that absolutely fits their situation because, you know, they wanted to book out the right side. But David Savard made sense, and it was at a cheap cap hit as well. But Gavrikov himself, I, I love it. I love it. I actually loved how he was very engaged in both ends of the ice. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I, I do remember Mark mentioning that uh, he was a guy that Toronto could possibly be interested in in, in terms of getting that uh, stay-at-home, big-sized defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, he's just a, a great addition to to uh, the Columbus Blue Lion, and he's a guy that, you know, like you said, takes a little bit of the weight off the shoulders of guys like Seth Jones and, and Zach Wierenski and, and, and those type of guys. So, I mean, a solid uh, second pairing. Um, he's not going to go out there and get your points, but he's a guy that's definitely going to be that, uh, you know, stand him up kind of mm-hmm. blue liner for, for a team like that. So, um, fits really well into the Tortorella mold. Um, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's that's why they, they locked him up for as long as they did. So, uh, good signing for Columbus and uh, good signing for Gavrikov. Um, Marcus guy, Nudivara was yes. the other defenseman. Sorry, I didn't mean it. He was oh, the other good. defenseman that I really liked for Toronto to try and acquire because he is a right-handed shot defenseman. Sorry, I, yeah. I, I did, that was just another name that just slipped my mind, but yeah. No, perfect. Um, the other guy I wanted to mention was uh, the Dallas Stars signed Rupe Hints this uh, this week to a three-year deal as well. Uh, average annual value of $3.15 million. Uh, Hints had uh, 21 points in 38, or sorry, 33 points in 60 games um, this past season. Uh, did deal with a couple injuries there, but uh, did come alive as well in the restart for Dallas, having 13 points in 25 games for them in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, second-round pick, uh, 49th overall in 2015. Um, he's really come out over the last couple of seasons where he's, you know, another guy that's just a big, solid player, um, has that finish kind of talent to him, 23 years old, 6'3", 220. So he's a guy that can uh, go out there and stand his ground, but he's also a guy that has that talent to put up some offensive numbers as well for Dallas. Yeah, and this year was kind of a coming out party for him, too. I mean, I think, I mean, I was in a fantasy hockey league and everybody wanted to try and get Rupe Hintz. And one guy got him and he was just scoring early on until, you know, uh, like you said, the injury situations kind of like took over. But, man, he was becoming a really solid player that I mean, a very underrated player for the Dallas Stars at that at that point. I mean, almost got 20 goals this year despite being injured uh, or dealing with injuries. The goal scoring kind of dried up, but he was excellent at setting up the plays. Thirteen point or eleven assists and uh, for thirteen points in twenty five games this year for the uh, Dallas Stars in the restart. So he can hurt you with the shot, but he can definitely hurt you with his playmaking abilities right now. So, and the fact that you know second line uh, center right now at the moment, he's definitely somebody that you know that they have like some good depth behind Joel Pavelski right now, who really shined during that playoffs. I'm still surprised that he was able to like be, you know, kind of like Mr. Amer like, you know, the Joe Pavelski that we knew with the Dallas Stars, him making that impact. But uh, with Rupe Hintz right now there, again, he was, he was a really key component. And the fact that they locked him up, they got some steady depth right now. Yeah. And like I said, at 23 years old, this kid's got a lot of hockey ahead of him. And mm-hmm. um, like you said, this was kind of a coming out party for him, 19 goals, 
Uh, I would not be surprised to see this kid score 25 goals in a, in a regular 82 game series. Um, oh yeah. Or 82, 82 game season rather. Um, but, uh, definitely a guy that, uh, they need to lock up. And I think it's a, it's a good sign for the future for the Dallas stars. Yeah. And he can play both center and wing. Uh, yes. I mean, I'm looking at his, uh, like he, it says he can play center and wing, but I'm looking at daily faceoff right now. They have him as a center. So he's very, he's very, uh, a very useful player that you could use on either at the center of the ice or along the board. So, I mean, you got options for him wherever you feel comfortable with them then that's where he's going to go. But no matter what, you're going to get the goals. You're going to get the points. You're going to get the, you know, the size and the skill that comes with him as well. So that's a, I, I really love that deal for Dallas. I mean, can't get any better than that. Yeah, no. And uh, like I said, I think it's a good, good uh, term for him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, 3 million kind of gets them past this, uh, this stale cap over the next couple of years. And, and he'll be able to cash in if he can get stuff done in the next three years. Absolutely. Um, obviously, like we mentioned last week, uh, with all this hockey news comes a lot of sad news these days uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, uh, losing losing members of the hockey community. Um, I wanted to start off by, uh, you know, you might have seen us uh, throw a, a little tweet up or, or something on our Instagram about uh, 13-year-old Noah Dugas. Um, obviously, you know, he passed away this week. Uh, North Bay native, 13 years old, as I mentioned, uh, looks as though it was a battle with a a brain clot. Um, He played for the North Bay Trappers of the major Pee-wee AAA team in in North Bay. And uh, yeah, he just, uh, a a, a terrible story. Um, He was uh, feeling unwell in a game in March and... uh, was sent to the hospital in Ottawa. They they moved him to sick kids in Toronto, uh, where he started losing mobility in his arms and legs. Mm-hmm. Um, doctors believed it was a blood clot, and uh, he ended up having a, a, a stroke. Um, so, uh, obviously, you know, his name was brought up by some major stars from around the, the, the NHL and, and around the hockey world, as well as the music world. Um, and, uh, you know, you never want to see things like this, uh, you know, like I said, 13 years old, um, and our thoughts are with, uh, Noah and, uh, his family and his friends and his teammates. Yeah. I mean, you really never want to see that, especially for a 13 year old kid who has this whole entire life ahead of him. I mean, you, you, you just said it all. There's really no other way to put it. Um, it's sad. It's tragic. It's, you know, it kind of makes you like takes it. It makes you take things in, into into perspective right now. You know, you had the opportunity to, you know, at thirteen to possibly play. I had the opportunity to play. I mean, we many of the players that he wanted to get to the point and play in the NHL have gone and played, but now that's. That just, that was just taken away from him, and it, it's absolutely sad. And it's and like I, mean, I know when we were talking about this last week, um, it doesn't matter if you're you know an older member of the hockey community or a younger member of the hockey community. It's absolutely tragic. It's absolutely sad, and we send nothing but our condolences to the family right now. It's it it's, must be definitely. It, I mean, it is hard for them right now. It's difficult and nothing but our show of love and respect and thoughts and prayers for them. Yeah. And, uh, like I mentioned, you never want to see anything like that, 
um, obviously at any age, um, uh, on top of Noah, we, we also lost the hockey world also lost, uh, Howie Meeker, uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Howie Meeker, former Maple Leaf, uh, he passed away at the age of 97. Um, he was a respected, uh, colorful, uh, television hockey analyst after his hockey career. He also won four Stanley Cups with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He served in Parliament during his playing days. I mean, this guy did it all. Um, and at 97 years old, he won the Calder Trophy with the uh, with the Leafs as well uh, in 1946-47 uh, uh, with 45 points in 55 games. Um, you know, obviously he had a short career, but uh, played his entire the entirety with the Maple Leafs. Uh, went on to coach the Maple Leafs as well in 56-57. Uh, However, they did miss the playoffs. Uh, it was a one-year stint with them, and and you know, like I mentioned, you never want to see anybody kind of mm-hmm. go. But uh, at at ninety-seven, um, you know, he lived a long and eventful life, and um, you know, obviously, we stand with with the entire hockey community in wishing his family the best. Um, you know, I, I obviously, like I said, you know, you, you lose somebody like that. Uh, Regardless of how old they are, it's it, it's tough on everybody. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, excuse me, he even like sort of like changed the game of how like you know how we view uh, how we analyze the game as like a play by play, you know, um, or a color commentator. I mean, he was the f- he was one of the first uh, television analysts to you know break down the game and also criticize players. I mean. There's a quote, on, I'm looking at something on CBC right now about Howie Meeker. There's a quote from uh, Irving, uh, Dick Irving, um, where he was recalling a quote where uh, Meeker said, you can't do that. You see what he did? You know, Tim Horton made a mistake. And now look what, look at what he's doing there. You know, he, he, like, it set that stage up for like not only other like analysts to say, you know what? Oh, that was a bad play. You know, that was a, like, why would he go and do that? That's a stupid thing to do. But also like among fans as well, like we, we kind of like mimic and try and like get that out there as well. Be like, Oh my God, what's he doing with that play? You know, like he should have been over there. Like you start to see, you kind of like develop that, you know, not mentality, but those kind of phrases. And, you know, he, he was the one, the first one to start that and be very critical and vocal about players, uh, like if something didn't go right, he would be that kind of voice. And you know what? Yeah, he's and even uh, uh, looking at some of his catchphrases right now, um, you know, golly G Willikers, stop it right there. Jiminy Cricket, you know, he's famous for those uh, kind of like um, Joe Bowen with Holy Mackinac. He he set the stage up for like, you know, major phrases and uh, that would like get people riled up. So, you know, he's he's definitely going to be missed. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It, Again, never, like you said, never want to see it, but you know what? He's going to resonate in the hockey community for years to come. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And um, jumping off of the hockey world, we also, uh, as Canadians lost Alex Trebek uh, this past week, obviously the, you know, the face of the the game show Jeopardy, um, he was also a huge, uh, huge fan of the game of hockey and uh, obviously, you know, made a selection in this year's NHL draft and was involved in that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, again, I, I this one kind of uh, stood out to me a little bit because uh, obviously last week we talked about, um, 
you know, my grandfather being uh, part of the Dieppe raid. And yeah. um, I, on Remembrance Day this year, my my dad sent me a video from from uh, the the Legion, uh, and it's it's a video of uh, of you know some footage from the Dieppe raid and what what happened to. Uh, you know how it was one of uh, Canada's biggest massacres in terms of, yeah. you know, losses and and, and um, that during World War Two, and uh, it was it was narrated by Alex Trebek, and uh, it just it seemed so fitting, um, just with everything the way that it happened, and and with Alex obviously passing away this week, um, <clears throat> it just it really kind of touched home, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know. I I will play a short clip of that video in in this episode just because I do want uh, I I do want people to hear it. I think it it was important and I, I just the way that he kind of spoke about it was uh, was really touching, especially for me. Yeah. So um, you know, obviously our condolences to his family and friends as well. And um, you know, I think Canada lost a great icon in in Alex Trebek. It was called Operation Jubilee, but today it's better known as the Disaster at Dieppe. In all, Canadian casualties totaled 3,367, including 907 dead and 1,874 men captured. CBC reporter Robert Bowman, who spent eight hours ashore with Canadian soldiers on the bloody beaches of Dieppe, said, We have suffered heavy losses, and I saw our men die. But never have I seen men die more bravely or fight with such great heart as our Canadian troops. It was the Canadian Army's costliest day of the war, and one that will forever be remembered with infamy and regret. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, when I was in my grandparents, you know, basement they would watch jeopardy and when that music came on you know you you know what was coming for you you know you know that 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 was a show that many people watched and that and that that show and that music resonated with me as a teenager as an adult right now i would even watch i i i would watch i think i watched jeopardy more so in the last five six years than i have previously before i mean i would tune in every now and then but it was by far one of my favorite game shows and he entertained, he educated, and he did it with such he he did it with such a passion. Like it was like you know that's what he wanted to do every single day to inform the crowd, entertain them a little bit, and he never missed a beat. Even when he was fighting this battle, he never missed an opportunity to record a show, and he fought to the very end. And yeah, it's it's difficult right now because now. I, I think I read after the passing, they're going to air the remaining episodes that obviously in his honor that, you know, he recorded. And when the new episodes start up, it's going to be really, really weird not seeing him there. And like you said, a real Canadian icon. And he could have been the voice. Uh, he could have been the host of Hockey Night in Canada uh, from what I read in the uh, in the last few days. I mean, how cool would that have been, right? Yeah. I mean, he, it, instead of like, you know, being on Jeopardy, he could have been hockey. He could have been. I mean, no, I mean, no disrespect to Ron McClain. Ron McClain is the face of Hockey Night in Canada right now. But that still would have been a really good, cool sight to see to see him. You know, he is an Ottawa boy. Right. So 
what better way to, you know, still have that Canadian connection than be the host of Hockey Night in Canada. But no matter what, he will always, I mean, even when they get the new host of Jeopardy, you can't, I'm not sure I'll even get used to it at first. It may grow on me, but you will never replace or come too close as being Alex Trebek. No, 100%. And, uh, you know, you you see that uh, in, in any sort of thing like that, any sort of situation like that, you know, obviously shows have to move on. And, and, and mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that's tough. But uh, I don't think you're ever going to replicate what he uh, what he brought to that show and what he brought to, uh, you know, television and, and what he did for Canadians around the world. So there are so many hockey questions on Jeopardy that the contestants got wrong. And I can see... I don't know what he was like going through or like what was going through his head, but I'm pretty sure deep down Alex Trebek is just like, oh man, you got to be kidding me. Like, how did you not get that answer? Especially as a Canadian connection and everything like that. And I'm there and I'm raging at my TV. I'm like yelling at the top of my lungs. How did you not get that? And how he would be so composed at telling them, no, that's the wrong answer. I probably, I'm, I, again, I'd do a whole 180. I'd go the opposite direction and be like, yeah, no, wrong. How did you not get that? Yeah, no, 100%. And, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned it, like, he just, he brought so much to the, to the show. And, um, you know, obviously it's going to be, it's going to be tough getting back into it without him there. Uh, jumping over to the Maple Leafs, which is what everyone comes to this show to listen to. Um, you, you have a piece that's coming out, uh, that we're going to, we're going to project the opening night roster for yes. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, obviously there's going to be some names that we've seen over the last year or two that, uh, will not make the opening night roster with the additions of guys like Simmons and Thornton and Spezza yeah. coming back. Um, and, and, you know, guys like Bogosian and TJ Brody there as well. It's going to, you're going to see some guys that maybe either get moved still or that uh, start the season in the AHL. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of run us through what you're thinking in terms of the opening night roster, Peter. They're slightly over the cap, right? So they got to get to that 81.5 limit. Um, I mean, they still got time, but whether they move a Justin Hall or a, um, you know, uh, Pierre Engvall, that there's at least a couple mil that can be freed up at that point. Um, whether it happens or not, we really don't know. But it's going to be it's there's going to be a lot of battles, and it's going to be a lot of interesting battles. And the uh, article that it came out with are uh, players that are going to be fighting for a spot. It's going to be really competitive, especially at the forward position. Um, you got Jimmy VC. I mean. I guess you could throw Nick Robertson in there, but I think with what he did during, I mean, all by short and uh, five game stint with the Maple Leafs, I was really impressed. And I think he makes the roster opening night. Um, you also got, uh, I, I, I mean, I mentioned Jimmy Vesey. You have Travis Boyd. You have Alexander Barabanov. Pierre Engvall is on the outside looking in. The forward position is going to be really, really competitive. Now that you got Thornton and Spezza back in the fold and Wayne Simmons as well. So, I mean, you got your top six set up. Um, I'm just curious. Who are the top wingers at this point right now that can make the team? Because I'm I'm having a hard time to trying to figure that out, especially in that bottom six. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see, you know, 
that's tough. That's tough because yeah, be I, I, mean, I mean, that's why I brought it up. And like, I was like coming in high and then hearing you right now, it's it like it's difficult. Well, especially because you want to see a guy like Nick Robertson make the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you get a guy like Jimmy VC in there. Um, obviously, you're not going to send him down. Um, but that being said, you know, where, where did you make the room? Because Kerfoot's there. Um, VC's there. If you bring Robertson in the mix, he's there. Um, you know, obviously in the, in the top six, you have Hyman, you have Nylander, you have Marner, um, you have Hyman. So, I mean, right there, there's your, there's your top four wingers. Um, yeah. You know, so where do, where does Engvall fit in? Maybe he doesn't. Travis Boyd, uh, you know, there's a guy that likely doesn't make the cut. Joey Anderson likely doesn't make the cut. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of, a lot of movement that still has to happen for the Leafs, and I think that's we're we're gonna see it. Like Simmons is gonna be in bottom your bottom six. Oh assuming, yeah. Assuming assuming Spets is playing center on the fourth line, um, you've got VC Simmons possibly Robertson and then you've got one more hole for for a winger on in, in your bottom six um does Engvall make the cut that's that that's going to be the question it's going to be between Anderson uh oh I and I didn't even mention Kerfoot so there's Kerfoot there so consider that I mean you're probably looking at Engvall not making the cut obviously you know um maybe maybe you swap him out with Robertson. Robertson starts the year in the AHL. I just don't see that happening being where, no. you know, Robertson put forth a, a valiant effort in, in the playoffs yeah. for the Leafs. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions in this lineup right now. Um, obviously on the back end, you're going to see some major changes. I think you see Justin Hall as the odd man out in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Dermott could even be an odd man out with uh, with the possibility of uh, Lettinen coming over. So yeah. I mean, then you're talking about Sandine and Lilligren. They're definitely not going to be with the, the the big club this to start the year anyway. Um, it, it's just there's a lot of guys right now that you know maybe drop off the map. Another guy up front, Barabanov. Does it, yeah. does he come over? If he comes over, you're 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 taking up another wing spot. There's going to be a lot of movement right now with the Leafs still going into into the season. Um, whether it be, I think you might still see another trade. Uh, where the Leafs get rid of a winger or a defenseman just to make that spot yeah. a- available. Obviously, you still want that depth. Um, that said, you don't want uh, you know an over uh, over capacity lineup where you know you're, you're seeing guys not play at the level that they need to be playing at. Obviously, you don't want to send somebody down to the AHL where you know they're not getting the the the, the right competition um, and, and you you hinder their development either. So that's. You know, there's a lot to consider going into this year, um, but man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard fought battle for these roster spots. Where do you stand on Igor Korshkov? Oh, you know, I, I there's another to... name that's really, really, you know, rise. I mean, really making a name for himself, especially with the way he's playing over in the KHL right now, and he's got a couple of highlight reel moves. Or highlight real plays right now, and I, I'm looking at him as a possibility. Yeah, and he's he's had a taste of the NHL already with one game. He scored a goal in that game for the Leafs as well. So, 
But 16 points already in 23 games for uh, Yaroslav uh, Lokomotiv of the KHL. So, I mean, obviously a guy that uh, isn't afraid to, to get into the, the tough areas in, in front of the net and, and has a wicked shot. If you've seen any video of him lately, a heck of a shot. Um, he scored from the goal line at one point, um, knocked one in out of the air. Like, just mm-hmm. this this guy has, has underrated talent, I think. And... Uh, while I don't think he makes the roster yet, um, he's definitely a guy that the Leafs are going to keep a close eye on in terms of you know making that jump if if they run into some injury problems uh, early in the season. They want, I mean, they address you know the competitive edge, right? You brought in Simmons and you brought in Thornton. You re-signed Spezza. Those are guys that like can still contribute offensively, but still impose their will, so to speak, on the opposition. I think Korshkov can be that player. I mean, obviously, he's not going to produce at the same rate that, you know, Spetzer or Thornton or even Simmons were at their in their prime. But he does have good speed. You mentioned his wicked shot. Um, for someone to be in that sort of like fourth line role, I think he can excel at that. And that's where, you know, initially... When I was going back when Petrangelo, the whole talks of him possibly coming to Toronto or whatever, um, was in the air, I had Korshkov initially making the roster, possibly because of the fact that, you know, he can he's a very competitive player. He doesn't take no for an answer. He always battles, and, uh, and uh, offensive production um, can be a major influence, especially in a fourth-line role. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting, too. I mean... You're looking at other like players right now. I mean, you can start crossing them off. I mean, Mikhail Abramov is like he's already playing. There's no way he's going to get a chance. Philip Hollander is an intriguing name as well. I doubt he would probably he would probably go to the Marlies. Um, but yeah, I mean, like again, top six is set. I honestly yeah. think that even Nick Robertson could be in the top six to start. I know that's probably wishful thinking. I know I'm probably in a world where I'm like, you know, in my own fantasy land. But given the fact that he has all that upside, why not give him a chance? And if not, then you could throw Mikheyev into that spot. You don't give him a couple games, see what you can do with John Tavares or even like with uh, Mitch Marner or William Nylander on that wing as well. Because I think he can be an impact player in that spot. Um, but overall, that that last spot, and I think it's going to come down to that last spot on the right wing, that's going to be the issue. Is it going to come down? Is it going to be Jimmy VC? Is it going to be Alexander Barabanov? Is it going to be Korshkov? And also, if they're doing like a sort of like a taxi squad kind of thing, kind of like they did in the playoffs, you can maybe take another player or two that maybe could be off to the side and then insert them in when they need to. Um, yeah. I thought the last few years, the competition was going to be fierce for the Maple Leafs. This is going to be the fiercest one this time around. Yeah. I think it's going to, it's going to be a fun battle to watch. Um, obviously there's still a lot of time before we get this, uh, this season underway, but, uh, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch and, and it'll be it'll be fun to see who comes out on the uh, on the NHL end of this uh, this battle because you know I think it's a good problem to have like I said Absolutely. you just don't 
you just don't want to have guys playing against competition that maybe they they aren't or they shouldn't be playing against. So you don't want to be sending a guy down to the AHL that should be up at the NHL level. Yeah. Uh, all you're doing at that point is you're hindering their their uh, their development. So I think the Leafs, like I said, I think the Leafs have a move to make. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know what it is. Um, that said, I I don't think their their off season is exactly done yet. No. And I I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing who comes out of this uh, this training camp uh, wearing the wearing the Maple Leaf to start the season. This just came at the top of my head right now. I think we could try and do a poll later on. Who is going to be Jake Musson's defensive partner? Hull, Justin Hole, Travis Derbitt, or Miko Littman? Yeah, I honestly, I think I think right now you're you're going to see Dermot only because of uh, his history with the Leafs. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I would not be surprised if it was Miko Lettinen. The only one that's really going to shock me is if it's Justin Hall. Yeah. For me, I mean, again, they signed Travis Derbis so they could give him that opportunity to possibly play in the top four. And, you know, he, we saw when uh, uh, Jake Muzzin was out, we saw Dermot kind of excel in that top four. I mean, granted, Justin Hall was, you know, not up to his normal standards. But Dermot shined in the games that were when it mattered the most for the Leafs. But with the way Miko Lettinen is playing right now, how he uses the ice, how he gets into open areas, how he finds players and like how he pushes the play forward with his breakout passing and entries. It's just it wouldn't surprise me that he starts as Jake Muzzin's defensive partner. I mean, and that's a lot to ask for, for someone who hasn't seen a lot of NHL uh, ice time, actually none, no NHL ice time, but the potential is there. And that, the fact that you kind of have that balance, kind of like Brody and Riley as the first pairing, I mean, you could have that balance with Dermot as well, but I don't know. I th- it just seems like seeing Mikko Lutton play right now, it's, he's like an energizer bunny. He does not stop. And I'm just I, that that to me is going to be really interesting on who it comes down to and who Sheldon Keefe ultimately decides who's going to be on playing with Muzzin, because that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, like I said, I think if if it were to be Lettinen, I would not be surprised one mm-hmm. bit. Um, just watching video from him overseas and and seeing what he's been able to do with the puck. He makes he makes room for himself. He makes room for his his um, teammates and, and gets the puck to them. And it, like, he just has that innate ability to see the ice so well. Um, it, it wouldn't shock me. You know, he's, he's, he's a guy that can play both ends and, and plays his own end really well. So that yeah. would be a heck of a pairing. If, if, you know, you were to suit him up with Muzzin and, and allow Muzzin to play his game and stay at home. So there was I, I one letting clip. I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just oh. wanted to say there was one Lettinen clip where he was in the corner, you know, putting pressure, you know, battling along the boards. Puck comes loose, stick comes out, and he's like, you know, taking away the lane. He's following his man all the way up to the blue line, back down. And as soon as he loses, uh, like, you know, kind of positioning, he backs off and goes back towards the net. That's the kind of vision that you need on that defense. And that's what he can bring. And to have that balance with Muzzin, like you said, it's going to be really, really great. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Um, and like I said, I look forward to seeing who starts the year with the Maple Leafs because I think this team is going to be incredibly competitive. I think they've filled the voids that they needed to fill this offseason. And, uh, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can uh, put up or what kind of product they can put on the ice. I want the season to start right now, man. Yeah, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's drop the puck here. Let's go like January first. Uh, if that is in fact the case, let's get this uh, let's get this season going because uh, I know there's a lot of hockey fans uh, around North America that are excited to see the their teams play and and especially in those retro jerseys that apparently are coming out with it from oh, Adidas. Man. What's your favorite one so far? Uh I okay so. I really love the Carolina jersey. I really the love the Carolina yeah. jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see more of the the Colorado jersey. Yeah. Uh, with with the uh, the old uh, Nordiques emblems. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, this Coyotes jersey is driving me nuts. <laughs> I want to see what this Coyotes jersey is all about. I, I think it. I think it's going to be uh, – the colors really caught my attention. Yeah. That's – out of a season where, you know, they've been in the spotlight quite a bit, I think this is probably the one positive that you can take from that because that looks like a really interesting jersey right now. 100%. 100%. And and don't get me wrong, I'm excited to see the Leafs as well. Um, yeah. There's only so much you can do with the Leafs jersey, though. And, yeah, you know, I, 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 I let's be honest, I'll probably end up uh, finding a way to get, put one of those in my closet for sure. But, um, oh. you know, like it's just, just uh, yeah, just send out the uh, fry, shut up and take my money bit, you know? Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. But yeah, I think there's a lot of excitement surrounding these jerseys. I think it's a great concept by Adidas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love the old school Whalers one. I think it's. It's an incredible throwback, um, and for them to use it, it's just going to be it's going to be awesome. I always have been intrigued with the fact that you know you have a new school look, but kind of incorporate the old school aspect as well. Yeah, you know you're paying homage to the past, but you're still keeping it with a modern take, kind of like what we saw again with the Jays uniforms this year, the baby blue uh, uniforms. I love them. That was that was that. I honestly, I absolutely love it. Yeah, but. That aspect, like, kind of like in a, like throw the two in a blender and see what comes out, man. So far, everything has been good. Yeah, I haven't seen one bad jersey at this point. But then again, there you're always gonna you're always gonna have people like nitpick. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. And again, like you said about the Leafs jersey, you can only do so much with a maple leaf, right? Yeah, like no, 100%. you don't you don't have a lot to work with. But uh, you know, as fans. And as uh and as uh writers who cover the team, we're we're gonna like we're gonna go for it no matter what, right? Oh, without without a doubt, you gotta you gotta <laughs> get one of everything in your in your uh, closet. You know, when you pull them out, you decide which which uh, game jersey you're going with uh, each and every game. So it's almost I like have, you're suiting up for the team. I have a decision. Like every single time, well, before the pandemic hit, every single time I went out with my friends to a bar, I always had a decision to make: Am I gonna wear my Matthews jersey? My Marner jersey or my Tavares jersey. I don't even know which one to wear anymore. And if I get that uh, sort of like that old school, the new uh, retro look jersey, I might as well just not wear a jersey at all because yeah. I'm not going to pick. It's going to be difficult. 
Oh, 100 percent. And that's my my thing is I've got most of my jerseys are signed. I think the two that I have that aren't are are Marner and uh, Dave Keon right now. So that's those are my two decisions. Uh, I I remember I went to a game with uh, my wife. Uh, it was Saturday night against Montreal, provided by Mastercard, sitting in the uh, in the in the booth uh, nice. in in the box and uh, through you know old school hockey Saturday night. I threw on the uh, Threw on the Dave Keon jersey, and, and I remember we were walking down the hallway to the uh, the box, and uh, walked right past Wendell Clark. And uh, man, it was what a feeling! I'm wearing, I'm sporting the Dave Keon throwback, and, and and walked past Wendell Clark. It was it was a pretty crazy feeling. Those blasts from the past, you know. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. That being said. I think it's time. We didn't mention it earlier in the show, but I think it's time that we throw it to our interview. Um, yes. You want to take this away? Uh, let let our listeners know who's who's going to be coming on today. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I, I could give a little uh, I could give a little intro right now. So uh, we have a passionate Leafs and hockey's fan. Uh, passionate hockey's fan. Passionate Leafs and hockey fan. Uh, he gained notoriety during Game 2 when the Maple Leafs played the Washington Capitals. We saw a gentleman with face paint and a dart in his mouth. He's also the head scout of the Collingwood Blues Junior A team. You know him as Dart Guy, but we welcome Jason Maslico to the Sticks in the Six podcast. All right, folks. Uh, as, as I mentioned before, we have a very passionate Leafs and hockey fan right now joining us on the Sticks in the Six podcast. Um, you may know him as Dark Guy, but he is also the head scout of the Collingwood Blues Junior A team. We have Jason Maslico joining us on the Sticks and the Six podcast. Jason, thank you so much for joining, and how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Ale- uh, Andrew, Peter, thank you so much for having me on today, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you guys. No, we we really do appreciate that. And um, just just checking in, how are you doing overall? I mean, I mean, we are during. Uh, dealing with the pandemic right now. How are you staying safe and what have you been doing in the meantime? Uh, well, you know what, it is unprecedented times that we're having and I appreciate you guys asking. Uh, I've been working uh, steady through all of this. My, uh, I'm general manager for a, a place called Dogtopia. Uh, we do dog daycare, dog grooming, all that kind of stuff. And we were actually uh, deemed part of the essential services uh, throughout the, right from the beginning of this pandemic. So. I've been working. Um, other than that, I've uh, been kind of sticking to myself or going up to the camp uh, where there isn't a whole lot of people around, you know, following the protocols, wearing my mask. Uh, it's a little bit to get used to, but, uh, you know, we all follow the rules. We'll uh, get through this quicker, sooner rather than later, hopefully. Jason, obviously, uh, you know, the beard's in fine form. Um, what's it like wearing a mask with a beard? I got a beard myself for the, for the most part, so... Um, what's it like wearing the, the, the mask with the beard? Yeah, well, with a beard this big, it, it was a little bit of a struggle <laughs> to find a good mask that was long enough that would actually hold under. Like, uh, a lot of the disposable masks, they aren't big enough. So when I put it on, my my beard stops it from cupping under my chin. Yeah. So the minute I start talking, it just goes like that, right? <laughs> so uh, it was a struggle to find one that 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 fit properly and and would stay down. But I I got a nice one there now. So yeah, forget hat head. Uh, the, you get mask beard now, right? <laughs> well, yeah. The the elastics start pulling my hair out this way, right? So. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I every single time, like when I'm going out, I gotta like I I've shaved every single now and then because like I don't I don't know I'm just you know a little bit extra cautious right now. But every single time I'm wearing a mask, it's like getting into my stubble and it's like pulling on my hair right now, and it's just getting really really annoying with everything going on. But again, we you know you got to protect ourselves and everyone around us, so it's it's a little bit of a, you know a bit of a, a nuisance. But you know what, we got to deal with it. You know. Yeah, short short term pain for long term gain, right? That's Absolutely. Right. So, Jason, it's been about you know three years. I mean, since you became like a very focal figure in Leafs Nation right now. Um, what was it like going from like just being a fan, just from being a fan to an overnight sensation and being like this major icon that people associate with and look to as being a part of Leafs Nation right now? Uh, you know what? It's it's some some days I still don't feel like it's real. Um, I can never fully explain the the feeling of dedicating my life uh, to a hockey team, to to a sport, uh, loving them so much. Uh, you know, from being a kid wanting to play uh, for the Maple Leafs one day to you know just maintaining that that fandom, and to one day wake up and kind of be you know, synonymous with that team. Um, it was almost like a uh, lifetime, re- uh, a reward for a lifetime of bleeding blue. But uh, yeah, sometimes it still doesn't feel real. Uh, and, and you know, like you said, where, you know, it's actually over, over three years. We're into year four here. Uh, and it's just been, it's just been a wild ride. And I'm, I'm appreciative of every day it keeps going. Take us through that, uh, that moment in terms of like, you know, what you did pregame getting ready like you, you obviously thought it out with painting your face and and you know we got to ask what's with the dart <laughs> <laughs> well uh, so pregame long story short uh, we me and a couple buddies we drove all night from uh, from Waterloo to Washington we left on Friday night at midnight because uh, a couple of my buddies had to work a later shift Friday I drove all the way there, uh, 10 hours straight. We got to Washington just after 10 o'clock in the morning, got checked into the hotel, and uh, I was pretty excited. So I I tried to sleep. I tried to catch some Zs. Uh, I think I laid down for about half an hour before I looked at my buddies and said, okay, you know what, forget this. Let's go have a couple pops and some lunch somewhere, and let's get this going. Uh, So, yeah, I had the whole plan for the the makeup, Long before I got there, obviously, I had the Stanley Cup shaved in my head as a Mohawk. Uh, go Leafs, go in the back of my head. Uh, so I had that all planned out. The, 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 the dart, unfortunately, was a byproduct of uh, being a stressed out Leafs fan uh, <laughs> and, and, and maybe having a couple too many pops before I got to the game. I mean, uh I was at a Leaf game like earlier this past year before the pandemic hit um, and I was sitting in my seat. I look over to the side of me and I see someone with face paint and a beard. I'm like, oh, my God, that's who I think it is. You know, that's that's dark guy. And then people around me are like, who is he? I was in with a bit of an older crowd. So I had to show them a picture of you and they were like, oh, my God, that is dedication right there. Do you still get that reaction from fans young and old? Absolutely. Um Anytime I do have the chance to uh, to talk to somebody and they say, you know, you're a dedicated Leaf fan, I quickly roll up the sleeve and show them my my Leafs tattoo that I have. So, yeah, it's it's you know, I've been a Leafs fan since I was a kid, uh, watching Hockey Night in Canada, 
in, in my bedroom Saturday night, my parents, you know, were telling me to go to bed and I just kept flicking the TV back on watching the, watching the Leafs. So, um, it's, it's being a Leafs fan has, you know, was part of my life who I am long before uh, dark I ever came along. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. All things considered, what would you say is probably been the greatest moment of the last few years in terms of uh you know what's come of uh, of dark guy Ooh, that's a that's a tough question because i've had i've had so many so many experiences opportunities uh that came my way um from from the tsn show uh i never would have dreamed in a million years that i would have had a radio show on tsn 1050 uh partnering up with todd shapiro for that uh you know, I was a big fan of Todd in his uh, days on the queue, and and he was a he's a great guy. So you know, having a, having your own show on TSN 1050 was was pretty cool. But um, I was meant to work in hockey. I, I truly believe that. Um, being able to sit in a room and then talk to a few people in in the junior hockey world and and convince them that I was more than a painted face, more than a blue beard. Uh, and get them to see past that and, and realize that I actually know uh, a lot about the game and, and I'm a pretty you know fair and, and good judge of talent and being able to get into the scouting world with first with the Aurora uh, Tigers and now with the Collingwood Blues uh, to keep pre- pursuing my, my hockey dream of working in the NHL one day. That's uh, got to be the, the biggest thing that's come from this for me. I mean, you, you just mentioned it right now, and I mentioned off the top of the show, you're the head scout for the Blues right now, and you also scouted with Aurora Tigers. Um, what led you into that scouting direction, and do you see any differences between watching a game as a fan or actually watching a game as part of a scout? You know, the, the scouting thing, the scouting thing uh, was always in the back of my mind uh, that, that I either needed to be coaching or I needed to be scouting, and, and this was long before uh the whole dark guy thing ever came along and i just so happened to have the opportunity to uh to speak at a couple hockey camps uh when i first became dark guy there was a uh, ryan barnes uh reached out to me he wanted me to go to speak to a couple of the kids at at his at his school uh just about what it was like for me as a as a relative nobody to wake up one day with overnight basically on on social media and kind of walk them through uh what it was like uh how that how that changed my life and 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 how i had to navigate you know uh things i said and 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 how i handled myself in public and uh through that uh it led me to jim thompson uh who who wanted me to go and speak to uh his kids at jt prospect camp and and i did the same thing i did a social media presentation for his kids at a summer camp and at the end of it, uh, Jimmy and I sat down and, and we kind of were sitting there shooting the breeze about hockey. And I thought it was just two guys, um, you know, talking hockey. Uh, of course, me being, you know, so in love with the game, the opportunity to speak to an ex-NHLer, uh, I took him every time they came. So when, you know, Jim started asking me a bunch of questions and uh, this started turning from like, you know, a, a 20 minute conversation into like an hour and a half conversation um, I didn't think twice of it. Uh, at the end of it, Jim kind of looked at me and he said, you kind of, you really know what you're talking about. I said, well, I like to think so. And he said, you want a job? Uh, so that's, uh, that's how the scouting came about. And, 
Uh, Jim liked everything I was doing. Uh, within a couple months of being in Aurora, he promoted me to head scout. Uh, two successful years in Aurora and Collingwood came calling. Uh, and it was a, an opportunity to, to t try something different. Uh, I, I, I had a real tough time leaving Aurora and, uh, you know, Jimmy giving me my break and everything. Uh, but Collingwood's uh, getting closer to my northern roots, and uh, it was kind of a no-brainer for me to go uh, give it a shot there. Obviously, we don't, uh, we don't want you getting any sort of trouble here, but we talked a little bit about the OJHL. And um, just how they're going to go on with no contact this year. Um, thoughts on that in terms of a player de from a player development standpoint? Well, it's it's going to be tough. Um, you know, the OJHL has already started with some exhibition series that that have been going on. Uh, we have one going with Lindsay uh, Trent and Golden Hawks are playing uh, Wellington Dukes. And from what I've seen, you know, the, the, the kids are still able to compete uh, and play fairly hard uh, without the without the, you know, quote unquote, full on body contact. But I, I think it's going to be hard on the players, uh, you know, to have you know their whole lives. They, they've been playing with body contact since they were able to anyway. Um, and, you know, you're asking you're asking these guys to. Who are, who are still working to get noticed, uh, still working for hopefully, you know, maybe a scholarship or, or a tryout offer somewhere. And, and you're asking these kids not to, you know, play the game the way they know it. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see, I'd like to see them go uh, with body contact as soon as, you know, there's enough research and information to prove what I think everybody thinks is that, you know, it, it can happen without being, uh, a major risk for spreading COVID, but we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they come around to, to bringing it back. Jason, do you see this as something that can be overturned uh, in accordance? Cause uh, the OHL is kind of still up in the air with the whole body contact thing. And as you mentioned, it's a developmental thing. Um, these players have been playing with contact all this for their whole entire career. And even recently an OJHL prospect, um, Ryan Teverberg was drafted by the Maple Leafs. So there's still quality talent coming out of the OJHL. Is this something that can be fixed and be overturned? Or do you see this as just they're going to go, you know, w with the flow and follow the rules? Well, I, th I think, uh, you know, just like putting a, a you know, ban on contact in, uh, it could be overturned just as easily. So, like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of research and studies coming out. Uh, I saw one just yet just the other day saying that, you know, uh, especially, especially in a league with the OJ, where you're you're wearing a, a bubble a bubble cage, and then you've got a, a mask on as well. Um, they're basically kind of saying there's you know, there's very little risk of being able to transfer to the COVID disease, even if you had it. Uh, so it's like, like I said, I think I think it could be changed uh, just as easily as they 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 put the ban in place. So hopefully we get to that point for uh, you know for the sake of the kids. Um, obviously, you know, you've been in the scouting game for a little while. Um, any players that have really stood out to you that, you know, are really on the rise in the, in the last couple of years that, you know, we should keep an eye out for, uh, you know, I like to consider myself a bit of a prospect guy at the hockey writers. Um, and, and, you know, obviously I like to, 
I like to look at some of the guys that maybe fly under the radar a little bit in Collingwood right now. Is there a guy that or or multiple players that maybe you know people should be keeping an eye on going forward? Well, you know, there's a there's a lot of kids in Collingwood that. Uh, that were you know very excited to have, or else they wouldn't be there. Uh, so it's it's I almost don't feel like pointing anybody out, but uh, <laughs> we got we got a couple real gamers there. Uh, gentleman by the name of Adam Garvey, he's uh, he's somebody you might want to keep an eye on. Um, we brought in a young goalie this year, Noah Pack. He's uh, the kid's got some game, so uh, he he won't be a starter this year. Uh, we'll be easing him in uh, behind Andrew Rose, but uh, he's definitely a kid that. Uh, uh, you know, when he gets his opportunity, he could run with it. Jason, do you think that the OJHL can be sort of like that league that is starting to become more prominent in developing, uh, you know, potential NHL prospects and that can match that of the OHL at some point? Well, you know, uh, to, to match that of the OHL, uh, you know, there's there'd be a lot of work to do. Uh, but as you know, there, there's already a ton, a ton of, ton of kids that are coming out of the graduating from the OJHL program that uh, end up in the NHL, that end up getting their D1 scholarships. So, I mean, uh, I'm quite proud of the program and the development that we have in place in the league already. And there's no shortage of players being pushed on to the next level. Uh, so, I, you know, a lot of people point to a, a league like the BCHL um saying they're kind of like miles ahead of everybody. And uh, I just don't see the gap being as far. That's all. Jason, what's next for, for yourself? Uh, Obviously, you know, you're with Collingwood right now. Is, is there, you know, something that you're looking forward towards in the future that maybe you want to take that next step, eventually maybe crack an NHL club in terms of uh, uh, the scouting game? That's my end game. That's my end goal here. You know, uh, I know that I'm kind of fighting a little bit uh, against the hockey world in a s- certain sense that um, I still daily have to get people to see past uh, the image they know of me. Um, and it's a challenge I welcome, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, keep proving myself. And, and I know when the time comes that I'll, I'll hopefully have an opportunity in the OHL uh and and from there the sky's the limit but uh, my end game here is to work in the nhl as a scout um i didn't get into this just to stay in in junior a uh like i said i, I love the ojhl it's a great developmental league and on that note it's a great developmental league for for not only players but for coaches and scouts as well Jason, it wouldn't be a Leaf podcast if we didn't discuss some of the maple Leafs right now um you've seen some of the struggles that have that haven't gone their way, including another disappointing exit this year. What do you make of the moves that they made this off season? And how do you see them going forward in terms of like being competitive and what Kyle Dubas's vision was for this off season? Well, you know, uh, Mr. Dubas takes, takes a lot of heat just like anybody else in the, in the Toronto media does. Um, so, you know, he, he had to do something this, this off season. And, uh, I have to give him an, an A plus for what he was able to pull off with the cap space that he had. Uh, he he brought in some depth down the center, bringing in Thornton. He kept he was able to keep Spets around on uh, both on seven hundred thousand dollar contracts. Uh, he improved the back end, in my opinion, uh, bringing in Brody. Uh, you know, you grabbed another guy in Zach Bogazian who gives you a little little more depth on the back end. 
And anytime, in my opinion, that you could uh, push Martin Marinson down the depth chart, that's a good thing. <laughs> so, uh, and you know what? I, I'm, I've been calling for Wayne Simmons in a Leafs uniform for a few years now. Um, anybody listen to the Dark Guy with the the Dark Guy show on TSN 1050? You would have probably got sick of me talking about Wayne Simmons. <laughs> um, the, the the guy is the guy is I think exactly what. Toronto needed. Um, no disrespect to Kyle Clifford. Uh, I, I love Matt Martin when he was here, but I, I think you're going to take a guy like Wayne Simmons. And I know there's a lot of concerns over his uh, drop in production over the last couple of years, uh, some health concerns, injury concerns. You take this kid and you put him into a, a Leafs lineup and, and let's not kid ourselves. He's, he's not that old yet. He's still got lots of left uh, lets to give in the tank and, I think that kid's going to play his heart out for you in, in Toronto. And, and you're probably, if he's used right, uh, if he's utilized right, I, I think you're going to see, you know, maybe not so much a, a re- return to a 30-goal score, but uh, I see no reason why he can't be a very productive 50-point guy, 55-point guy that, uh, you know, crashes and bangs and, and stands up for his teammates. So, uh, and of course, Joe Thornton. Uh, I don't. I don't think I. You can speak enough to what he could possibly do for that dressing room. Uh, you take a guy like Jumbo Joe. I. I don't think uh, there's any player in the NHL right now that wants to win a cup more than Joe. Jo- maybe, maybe Hendrick Lundqvist would be a close second, but Joe wants it, uh, and I think Joe is going to be able to come into that dressing room and and do things that say you know a veteran like Patrick Marlowe couldn't. When when Patty Marlowe was with the Leafs. Uh, I kind of got the vibe more that, you know, he wanted to be like the cool uncle to everybody. He wanted to be friends, kind of, you know, suck in some of that youth and and, and relive it a little bit. Um, I think Joe is going to be more of a guy that's going to be able to step into that dressing room uh, after a lackluster period or, you know, you know, somebody uh, let, lets up on a puck to avoid a hit. I think Joe's going to be able to be the one to go in there and, uh, say, you know what, what the hell guys, like you're not going to win a cup like that. And I, I think when he speaks, people are going to listen. So safe to say you're, uh, you're going to be getting a Joe Thornton Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. But, uh, you know what, if, if they win, if they end up winning the cup, I'll buy a Jersey of every single player for that matter. So, <laughs> Oh, that's, I mean, again, that's the dedication right there. I mean, uh, I mean, you nailed it on the head. I mean, everyone looks up to Joe Thornton as sort of like this essential figure. And I think bringing him in could help change the dynamic and, you know, the, the attitude of this whole entire team right now. So that was one of the, I guess you could say underrated moves, but it was a necessary move that needed to be made. Well, and listen, here's the other thing too. You, when you're talking about uh, a playoff matchup and, and you're looking at, uh, line matchups, uh, offensive, defensive zone, faceoffs, and you're a coach on the other team's bench, and you're trying to look at faceoff matchups, and you look over at the bench, and you're like, okay, well, I don't, I don't want, I don't want Matthews, I don't want Tavares, oh, but that leaves me with Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza. Uh, you know, when, when you can start, when you can start with the puck at say maybe a 57, 58 to 60 percent. Uh, 60% of the time you're starting with the puck, you're halfway ahead of the battle already. So, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you, you look to those guys to try and like, you know, help out in that, uh, in that regard. 
Well, yeah, it's the again, you know, the experience too. Uh, I, I don't think it can be understated. You know, I was uh, we we know that the 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 cup is one on the ice and and not as much in the dressing room, but uh, you can never discount discount that leadership factor. And uh, just like I said, I think I think Jumbo. I think Jumbo is going to be able to command that more than than anybody that's been there so far. I mean, that's no disrespect to to our captain John Tavares, who I think you know obviously has that room, the support of the room. Uh, you know, I think Matthews and Marner and those guys get a ton of respect if they have something to say. But uh, Joe Thornton is an outspoken character. He's he's not afraid to say what it's what's on his mind, and I think he's going to have no problem. You know when. When you see a, a William Nylander uh, kind of coasting on a back check or or peeling off of a a, a potential battle for the puck because he doesn't want to get hit, yeah, you know, I think Jumbo, somebody like Jumbo, is going to be able to to change that. Jason, you you were a really terrific guest. You brought a lot of great insights, both uh, from the OJHL and from the least perspective. Uh, again, we can't thank you enough for coming on to the show and uh, giving your takes and your input. Um, where can uh, people find you on uh, social media or if you got anything else going on, where can people uh, find you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, LeafsMaz20 on, on Instagram and Twitter. If you just put in dark guy, it comes up. Uh, recently got a, a new podcast started. It's called The Smoke Show with Dark Guy and Drury. It streams live Mondays, every Monday at 7 o'clock on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, FHN Network, just go search FHN Network. That's also available as a podcast on all major streaming sites, uh, The Smoke Show with Dark Guy and Drury. So having a lot of fun with that and uh, happy to be back in the broadcasting world as well. Oh, Jason, we'd love to have you back on a future episode if you would like to join in. Again, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on, man. Not a problem, guys. I'd be well happy to come back anytime. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Best of luck with the show, guys. Well, Peter, what a what an interview! Obviously, you know Jason, uh, huge hockey fan as you mentioned in your intro, huge Leafs fan as you mentioned in your intro. Um, you know, a guy that obviously is involved in the game of hockey, and uh, you know, just a hell of a guy to have on. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean, I remember what again, and I alluded to this in her in, in the interview. I remember watching the game, and it's like really, really late. We're already like. I think we were in the second overtime and they're looking at like the playoff beards of the players. And then they cut to him and we see, we see that that's going to be an icon. That's now an iconic figure in Leafs nation history right now, where you see him. And whenever you think of like, you know, Leafs and playoff hockey, he's going to be one of those guys that you look to right now and be like, yeah, I remember that instance. Oh yeah. You know, I remember watching that. I remember staying up late, passing out and, you know, trying to stay awake. But I, you saw, the bright face paint and everything right there. It's, it's, it was just a thrill to have him on and get his take on everything right now. So, um, it was really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, great guy. Uh, great, uh, great to have him on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that kind of ends it for this, for this episode of sticks and the six, uh, Peter, you got anything going on for the next week? Oh, well, we, we discussed it in length. I'm going to be doing a, pro, uh, projection of the 2021 2020-2021 lineup i'm getting tongue-tied there um uh yeah we are going to be featured in that as well so so i'd like to see what your final take is but you know we got another lease writer in there as well um 
when that comes out. Um, I don't know when it's going to come out. It could be later in the week, probably early next week. We'll figure it out. But I'm also working on something William Nylander related. So got that going for me as well. What have you got in the works? Um, I've actually got uh, – so Pete Bauer, writing for the Hockey Writers, has a little feature coming out on me. Um, uh, I'm going into my eighth year with the Hockey Writers. I'm also approaching 900 articles written very quickly. Uh, so he just kind of looks back at, you know, some of the uh, some of the stories I've written, some of the experiences I've gotten with uh, with the hockey writers. Um, nice. You know, one that stands out to me is is heading to Nashville for the uh, for the All Star Game a week before my wedding. Uh, <laughs> so that that one was one that I kind of discussed in length with him. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he puts together there. Um, <clears throat> that said, obviously. You know the 2021 NHL draft. I'll be uh, I'll be releasing my November rankings. Um, yeah. Aside from that, uh, you know, I my my docu series of the week for you guys. Check out Trial Four on Netflix. Um, I'm watching it right now. Uh, incredible story of of a uh, a corrupt Boston police department. Um, uh, again, you know, I'll, I'll throw you docu series as often as possible because that's kind of what I'm into, you know, when I have time off. Um, so check that one out. Uh, aside from that, you know, everybody stay safe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's get us back to normalcy as soon as possible. This is uh, this is getting crazy. Yeah, stay safe. I mean, follow the rules, and we just hope everyone has is healthy and doing well right now. That's all we can hope for. Yeah, listen, subscribe, rate, review. Hit us up on iTunes, Spotify. Tell your friends. uh, Let's get those downloads up uh, so we can bring you the best product possible. Absolutely. Have a good one, folks. Take it easy.